Hey everyone and welcome back to The Culture is Black, a quarterly podcast series dedicated to spotlighting black businesses and black creatives. I'm your host, Jennifer Auditoro, Culture Editor at the influencer intelligence platform Cork. In this second season, we'll be exploring all things audio, from the rise of the voice chat app Clubhouse to the thriving business of podcasts. So let's get into it. While it's not exactly certain where audio is going, there's no denying that this evolving format is the future of digital. It's why tech giants like Facebook and Twitter are scrambling to expand their audio features. Earlier this month, we saw Facebook begin its testing of Hotline, just one of its upcoming rivals to Clubhouse. And alongside Spaces, Twitter has been expanding its voice tweet feature. In January, Spotify launched an audiobooks test program by adding nine literary classics, including Frankenstein and Jane Eyre, to its exclusive body of content. And most recently, the streaming service partnered with Warner Music Group to develop a series of original podcasts built around the work of the label's artist and songwriter catalogue. To get more insights on where audio is headed, I spoke to digital native Christina Moore. After working across the BBC and Apple Podcasts, Christina branched out and launched her audio production company, Don't Skip Media, where she has worked on a series of projects, including Small Acts, the podcast. Hey, Christina, welcome. Hello. (laughs) Thanks for inviting me, Jennifer. (laughs) No worries. Thank you for coming on. As someone who has had, you know, an extensive career in digital audio and, you know, working with companies like the BBC and Apple, I'm interested to know more about your early beginning. So tell us a bit about your career so far. Yeah. So after I finished university, I did an internship at a digital company called Sequence, And there we tested a lot of what I did. They, they developed games for what was once called Red Button on television. And as an, like, an intern slash new starter, I would test some of the games out. And then I got a post at the BBC uh, because of my digital background. They were like, hey, great, we've got some positions on the digital team and there's going to be a little bit of a crossover between the work that you do uh, between audio production and also digital services. And at the time they were developing or they, well, they had already developed iPlayer and a content management system for podcasts. So I did more and more work. My work was very, very varied um, at the BBC anyway, especially early on, but I did more and more work in podcasting as time went on until eventually I was looking after their podcast site um, and all of their catalogues. So I was out there making sure that their podcast catalogue was on various different services, including Apple, um, and also making sure that the website was constantly featuring interesting programmes and looking after that product as well. Then I eventually moved quite far up the chain very quickly in terms of like I became the digital business manager for World Service and there I negotiated um, a lot of the licensing deals on behalf of the BBC Um, and after doing that for a couple of years Apple kind of like well hey fancy swapping sides (laughs) 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 and that's how I ended up working for Apple and then looking after the European market for Apple podcasts. 
Wow. Was there like a difference between working at, you know, like a more traditional media company like BBC in comparison to a more like tech led company like Apple? Did you find any difference? Oh, yeah, there's a world of difference. Um, There's just like you can have an idea at Apple. And especially if you're in a small team, you can just run with it. Mm. Like, uh hey, team, here's my idea. You do have to go through like a process of qualifying that your idea is good or at least feasible. Yeah. But it's not like the bureaucracy of the BBC where you kind of like, well, you have to fill in 27 application forms and submit it to <laughs> three different teams. Wow. Um, I'm exaggerating. But yeah, the, the process can be intense um, at the BBC. And, you know, they're accountable to the public mm. in a different way than many other corporations are. But yeah, the, the working environment is different. Also, your ability to get in on different projects at Apple was completely different to at the BBC. We would definitely work across the services um, and quite cohesively, whereas at the BBC it was a little bit more siloed. So this was digital, this was radio, this was television. Um, And yeah, yeah. It's changing as far as I've been made aware. Mm. Um, but that that was the difference when I left. So you are the founder of the audio production company Don't Skip. Um, yeah. And you've worked on a collection of projects. You have a show with American Rapper Eve, which is really cool. And um, you've also worked on the accompanying podcast series for Steve McQueen's Small Acts for the BBC. Um, can you tell us more about Don't Skip and sort of how all of these projects kind of came about so we have a real focus on making or producing content for smart devices which you may be like well what's the difference there are slight differences in format and you can experiment a little bit more differently so like you may have seen um what is the show called now it's completely gone in my mind Oh my goodness. <laughs> it's okay. Black Mirror, that's it. Oh, okay. You might have seen um Black Mirror where the you could pick multiple endings mm. and those sorts of, so there are ways you can experiment with any type of production. So whether that was visual or audio, in a way that you can't really do with scheduled content. Mm. And so while our typical uh, show is a podcast, a conversational podcast, um, we're definitely more keen in experimenting with both the technology and the formats in different ways. And we're kind of really enthusiastic about doing that as well. So what made you start Don't Skip? Really, I came to a point where because I had grown with podcasting, there wasn't really, there was like a ceiling to how senior I was ever going to get within podcasting and also was limited to the number of corporations that I could potentially work for at the time um and so bearing that in mind and also I've got quite a get up spirit I decided that I was like hey let me give this a try let me go out fend for myself so to speak and let me try setting up uh, an independent company um and I will honestly say the first two years will have been the hardest, especially as the second year landed in the middle of the pandemic. Mm. Um, But I still think it was worth it. 
What problems have you actually faced, you know, building and growing a company, especially sort of an audio based company during the pandemic? Um, how it worked for me when I left it went from consulting to because I there was like a gardening period from consulting to getting back into production and then escalating that production to have multiple productions Mm. so it's almost like you know when you first finish university or maybe when you're still at university and you're going for your first job and Mm. everyone kind of like turns you down because they're like what's your experience you're like well do give me a job and then I'll have experience yeah exactly (laughs) (laughs) it ends up being a bit of that catch-22 where people are like what's your experience outside of the corporations and you're like well you could be my first. Um, <laughs> so what I had to do was do a little bit of freelancing initially, mm-hmm. and then I could build on that and um, pitch for productions that required like a team and basically build it out into a company. So now the company is looking after several productions rather than just me essentially swapping my time for money mm. um which and it's very very hard to build on that and build a company out of that you kind of have to get to the point where okay I need to bring a team on um yeah. and to do that you have to pitch to the either the company or the person with that mindset look I'm not going to be doing this myself I'm managing a team to mm. do that work and then you can kind of then you get into the place where you've got seven different productions running at the same time yeah what are some of the changes that you've noticed in the pandemic you know especially in terms of I don't know like brands or other companies reaching out to work with your production company so at the beginning of the pandemic actually a lot of the brands halted the conversations like they just disappeared Mm. which was really really crippling to the company and I did feel terrible because a because you know everyone likes to feel useful and do what they're passionate about as well so I I didn't have things to do um on top of the fact that also there was no income or not much income being generated um for something that I knew could be done remotely so even though I said to people that we can still make these podcasts remotely, they were like, mm, we're going to see how the pandemic goes. And I couldn't really see how that affected production. Like, we'll be over in six weeks. What? <laughs> Literally, we are, some of the productions that stopped, we could have been over quicker than the lockdown happened. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I was slightly baffled at their hesitation but then around August things started to change people finally were like oh we've got to get on with our lives like if the the cog stopped turning then actually no one has an income it's not just me at the end of the like the stream that doesn't work also if you don't work and the people above you don't work and the people above you don't work then nobody works and Mm. the economy is in a real pickle so eventually people are like, oh, we've got to get back to work. Um, let's do this podcast. And then it really amplified from August onwards. Then I had more clients than I did before 
before the pandemic. And so, yeah, yeah, that was an insane increase. And you might already know that Apple released some figures and it was something like there were 2 million um, podcasts available in the podcast store. Um, Whereas previous to that, it was like 750,000 or something like, I can't remember exactly, but it wasn't, (laughs) it was quite far off the 2 million mark. And all of a sudden it was (laughs) like... (laughs) it accelerated and I felt that acceleration and that's still happening now as well yeah that's great I feel like you know we've seen such a massive rise in terms of not only podcast content but like the variety of content and do you think that there's another reason as to why there's been such a surge of interest in podcasts aside from you know the pandemic and more people just at home wanting to consume different types of content you kind of hit the nail on the head and it's a bit of a chicken and egg situation where the listenership of podcasts will change when there's a more of a variety of content available. Mm. So you wouldn't watch TV if all there was, was like daytime chat shows. (laughs) If that was all that was available on Netflix or Amazon Prime or even scheduled television you'd be like I'm not watching television (laughs) or you just pick one show right (laughs) and so I think that as creators we've got to look at creating a variety of show different formats and different genres just like television just like publishing with books like people have different interests and different tastes so I think the variety that is available in the store has also spurred the number of people listening because now there's content they're interested in. So like 10, 15 years ago, mostly it was just like tech and business. That was it, (laughs) tech and business. And it's like, well, okay, then of course the audience is gonna be A, very male skewed and very white skewed because that's Mm. all the content appeals to. And once variety started to be added into the mix, now you've got a more diverse range of people. Um, the gender split is becoming more um, closer and closer, as in more even split. Yeah. Something like, and also the number of people from different ethnicities and races is increasing as well. And yeah, so you just need the variety of content and more people will come. Yeah. And I was um, speaking to Victoria Sanusi, who hosts Black Girls Living, and we were kind mm. of talking about how, you know, with podcasts now, it's it's more inclusive in terms of, you know, the language and the categories. It's not just like, oh, okay, here's your Black podcasts to listen to. It's actually like, okay, I can go into society and culture and see, you know, a vast range the same way I can kind of go into, you know, music or tech or business. And it's just so refreshing because when you're growing up, you're so used to seeing, you know, Black content being boxed in sort of like the urban market or I don't know like <laughs> something tacky like that um so it's just so refreshing to to see that um when it comes to podcasts it's such a vast range and you know we're not we're no longer being boxed into a corner anymore yeah and that used to happen especially with film and music it was like everything and then there was like urban or yeah black film you're like well why can't it be with everything? Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, and I, I, I do stress a lot of the time, especially when people approach me, my interests are beyond my race. Um, my race does ha- have 
definitely have play a part a very big part in my life and again that's kind of like what comes first is that because people are racist or is it because it's race is important I think mostly it's because people are racist that my race becomes important (laughs) um (laughs) but beyond that I have many other interests I actually really like listening to economics um podcasts and also watching economics YouTube channels love personal finance for some weird reason but also I like horror movies and (laughs) and really really strangely like my sister's like who are you I I also really love musicals it's like why horror movies and musicals that's basically my Netflix watch list (laughs) I love that I love that you're giving you know range and variety like that's what we love to see (laughs) Um, what are some of your favorite podcasts? Oh, okay. So it depends because I listen to so many. It really depends what genre. I still really love law um, as a storytelling slash spooky horror type podcast. Mm. Um, it's by Aaron Mankey and he really manages considering it's just his voice he really manages to deliver a story um when it comes to true crime because I'm not really into dead people um I quite (laughs) like a podcast called uh, um (laughs) I'm not into like murderers yeah I like a podcast (laughs) called, (laughs) called criminal um just because there's a variety of the types of crimes that she investigates so it could be like there's one weird one where there was a guy who was living in somebody's attic like they didn't know and this was the it's just (laughs) that is so scary that reminds me of there was this sort of like storyline on TikTok where this girl found this like massive sort of like apartment within her apartment behind the mirror yeah behind the mirror that really creeped me out (laughs) yeah it's like what's going on here um and then I like the illusionist podcast by Helen Zaltzman and then Broccoli have quite a few podcasts that are really really interesting um I quite like their anthems collections that they have um as well so yeah it's definitely a variety of podcasts that I listen to and when people ask me I just say which genre basically Mm. I will find a favorite in every genre and that's how it works yeah yeah I also wanted to ask in terms of like you know consuming podcasts a lot of podcasts I find are quite lengthy in in time and then you do have a lot of podcasts as well on the other side that are very sort of short or quick or like five minute pockets of you know audio or storytelling where do you think in terms of like length and time, how do you think it's going to change in the future? Because I find that a lot of people are starting to find podcasts that are over two hours, just a lot to sort of consume at once. I know that is the case for me personally. I just can't listen to a podcast that's over two hours. Um, But then at the same time, you're seeing this sort of growth of like these sort of five minutes, rapid, you know, fiery news stories. Yeah. What do you think about all of that and where it's going? Yeah, I, I get you. I'm in a similar place. Even if I liked Joe Rogan, I'd be like, how do you listen to three hours of this guy? Like, what are you doing with your life? Exactly. <laughs> it's just too much. It's the I same with Joe Biden as well. Yeah. 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 
Um, so I think that as time goes by, solo podcasters, so those who are independent of production companies and also broadcasters, they will start to refine their production style and what works. Mm. So you remember like at the beginning of YouTube, you're probably far too young to remember the beginning of YouTube, but at the beginning of YouTube, people would just really put anything on. Mm. <laughs> yeah. What is it? <laughs> but look at that, look how everybody is now. I mean, now mm. you've got like movies, you've got like even solo YouTubers, like people who are like what you would call personal brand type people. Mm. Um, they have great production values. They're like, we're hitting this out in like 15, 20 minutes. I'm going to deliver you the, the information that you need. Um, or that you want and there'll be like intros and outros and you know they'll have bits of information swooping in and they'll have do you know yeah. they've kind of really de- developed a YouTube style in varying lengths don't get me wrong but there is kind of there is a style that is very specific to YouTube unlike television and unlike film yeah And I think the same will happen in podcasting at some point. And I think it is happening now. Two, three hours of content isn't necessarily bringing the most value. Some people can get away with it. We've already mentioned those people. Um, And then other people will be like, we need to hit this out in like 30, 35 minutes and condense the story down. Or we need to deliver this information um, by X time. And I think that will be, that will happen. And it is happening, really. Mm. I don't mind things being five or 10 minutes long. I'm not sure how much value you can deliver in five or 10 minutes. News is kind of fine, but if you're giving information or telling a story, you might want to give it a bit more. (laughs) We want to visually feel the story. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, So, you know, Audio has evolved quite a lot in the last year or so, and we've seen the rise of sort of like live audio and voice chat innovations like Clubhouse and Spaces. And yeah, Um, they're sort of dominating the conversation now around audio. What are your thoughts on these recent developments? I think they're a good thing in the sense that they've added variety and they're also encouraging experimentation Mm. and innovation as well. So those are the reasons why I think they're a good thing. Uh, I think they're also a good thing because people are able to do them and take part in them using either very little data or very little space on their mostly mobile devices. Mm. So video is a bit different in that it takes a lot of data if you're doing a video call. And also if you're recording on your directly to your phone, you kind of need the space to do it. And so audio kind of says, you know, we do away with all of that. You can just dial in if you like to, if you can just kind of click a link and here you go you're in a conversation so in that sense it's really good I do think that there needs to be some duty of care for some kind of moderation just being able to protect people from abuse for the most part I'm more of a protect people from abuse rather than protect people from offense I could find your t-shirt offensive like just because it's it's blue or just because like (laughs) offensive is just so it's not very tangible people's faces might be offensive to you I don't know like (laughs) 
<laughs> so offense is more like okay that's subjective how do you actually protect people from harm you definitely mm. want to protect from young people and the vulnerable from grooming you definitely want to do that um, and you definitely want to to protect people from abuse and what qualifies as hate crime so yeah. that's that those are the areas I feel like there needs to probably be a little bit more stringent rules and um, a little bit more follow-through by either the platform, the content creators in some way, like they'll have to work together on that. Where I kind of get frustrated, and I'm going to use Facebook as an example, but not because I care for Facebook. <laughs> so <laughs> it's a, a Facebook at the moment gets a lot of flack for the content that other people post on its platform. Mm. And I think that we need to look at that as a more interrelational thing rather than it's just Facebook's responsibility. If you remember how Facebook developed, it was just like a couple of guys who were like, how can we chat online? (laughs) They didn't know it was going to be what it turned out to be. Yeah. Or that people would be sharing disinformation. How was anyone supposed to predict that? Yeah. Like, it never occurred to me that people would just like share dangerous lies on the internet. Nobody knew that was going to happen on Facebook or even on Twitter. And so there needs to be more synergy between the content creator and the platforms in terms of how we grow together and protect people rather than just shifting all the blame on the platform so clubhouse will have a care of duty to enforce but so will the content creator as well and i think as a content creator i definitely make sure that i look at that all the time yeah yeah i definitely agree with that because there's only so much that an app can put in place to sort of moderate or ban or you know mute someone whereas for example, in a room on Clubhouse, things happen so quickly that you do need someone there to moderate and act, you know, in accordance. So I yeah. definitely agree with that. And we've seen that, you know, you mentioned Facebook. Facebook has announced plans to make its own version and Twitter's developed spaces and now Spotify, LinkedIn, Discord, Slack, like so mm-hmm. many. Do you think that all these apps are kind of jumping on the bandwagon a bit too quickly and do you think like the format of having like live audio conversations is just a fleeting movement that will soon die down I think in certain parts of the world audio will always have its place and especially in the UK and most of Europe Mm. we are very much a listening culture the foundations of the BBC was based on radio Mm. before it was television and that was the same for many countries throughout Europe so I don't think that an auditory technology will ever disappear mm-hmm. there will always be some kind of form so what I tell people is like storytelling will always exist it will always exist you just move wherever the people move to so as a content creator I don't think people have anything to worry about with these um, different like manufacturers and software developers and corporations if they've got deep enough pockets experiment I don't mind (laughs) (laughs) I I, I don't mind at all (laughs) I only see this as a good thing in terms of finding out what works for us to communicate in the most I guess 
effective way Mm. to a variety of people. 10 years from now, we might not be talking about podcasting at all. We'll be like, remember podcasting? (laughs) Lols. But um, (laughs) it might be so outdated and I don't mind. I will just move my audio production to wherever that technology lies or wherever the audiences want to be. Mm. Um, So I don't mind them experimenting. And I think competition is healthy as well. Yeah. It spurs development. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Because now I remember when spaces started kind of um, developing, it's it sort of built this kind of like community that Clubhouse didn't have where it would have, you know, regular Q&As just asking, OK, how can we moderate spaces better? How can we, mm-hmm. you know, feature more accessible content? You know, how can we fix closed captions? Like all these kind of conversations were happening mm-hmm. with people on Twitter. And I just thought that was really, really important. And I think that probably wouldn't have been raised if people weren't so critical of Clubhouse. Yeah, exactly. So do you think that Clubhouse specifically is going to outlive the pandemic? Because a lot of people have raised the point that it's just a moment of lockdown. It's a it's a product of lockdown. It's, it's not when it comes to, you know, June, no one's going to be on it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the first thing is... Um, a lot of Western countries have done so poorly at reigning in this pandemic. I don't think we need to worry about June as a deadline. <laughs> so, so Clubhouse might be here much longer than we think it will be. <laughs> You're right there, yeah. Um, <laughs> um, and if it is fleeting, then it is fleeting. But like you pointed out already, it meant that conversations around spaces happened. The community was brought in to answer questions and kind of tell people what they need, tell these software developers what they need from these platforms. And so even if Clubhouse fails, it served a purpose. Mm. Remember in the early days, uh, no, you don't, but in the early (laughs) days of downloading, like there were so many platforms that existed and now the only one that's standing is iTunes, <laughs> which is kind of like, it, it, it's sort of insane that, yeah, there were loads of ways that you could download music when I was, when I was in school on the internet. It might have given your computer a virus, but there were still ways to do it. Yep, I remember um, LimeWire. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was not mentioning any names, but oh, sorry. sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine. <laughs> It's fine. Uh, but but yeah, those early download services and, and sites allowed iTunes to develop and iTunes developed into um, streaming. And mm. so it just builds on if Clubhouse is here, like it's flashing the pan then it's flashing the pan. But we we learned something from it. Yeah. Do you think it has the chance of, well, the the voice chat? medium in itself do you think that it has the chance to sort of disrupt the podcast industry and radio at all uh I think what will happen is people will listen for different reasons Mm. so radio has a couple of benefits to it a it's quite passive so you don't have to go and search for the content you just kind of like I want some background noise while I'm decorating and I'm switching this on and also, it uses radio waves, which means that it's massively accessible around the world because we've already got radio masts 
in like multiple places across the world. So people who live in remote places can still receive radio signals. It's very technological answer. I'm very sorry. No, I love it. I love it. <laughs> um, but with streaming services and the apps, you need the infrastructure in place. So you need the broadband and the Wi-Fi um, infrastructure in place. And that's not necessarily accessible all over the world in the same way that radio waves are. Mm. And there are numerous ways that this is trying to be implemented so for instance 5g i know people have a lot of concerns about 5g but 5g is just a different wavelength that's all it is guys and it allows you to transfer data more quickly Mm. but in order to do that those masks have to be closer together unlike radio waves for radio where the masks can be further apart they can be in fact miles apart between the receivers So the problem is going to be access and technology and infrastructure, or those are the three problems that are going to be to streaming. And that's why radio isn't going to die a death yet. Um, (laughs) So it's still going to have a place in the world, whether that place dwindles in, especially in the Western world, that's a possibility. But there'll be other markets that radio can kind of capture. And I think there will always be a place for radio, even if that's not entertainment, even if like in the same way that it is today. Yeah, it's fine. And most broadcasters are moving into streaming services anyway. Mm, That's true. Do you think that in order for apps like Clubhouse or, you know, features like Spaces to really survive, do you think that they need to incorporate the element of recorded content? Because when Spotify sort of announced that they were, you know, jumping in and adding their own live audio feature, I thought that actually would work quite well because you have, you know, such a vast kind of catalogue of recorded content. It would be nice to sort of have live content alongside that. Um, Mm -hmm. So what do you think about the apps that are already sort of dominating the live audio spectrum? Do you think that they need that recorded element to sort of survive? I think that depends on what their... It's going to be a very business answer. So it's, okay. it depends on what their monetization opportunities are going to be. Mm. So we know that Spotify, essentially how they monetize is by packaging podcasts with the music. And we say, they say, we're offering you a one-stop shop. Yeah. And that's why they've also added their live features as well. When Clubhouse find out how they're going to generate revenue, that will kind of help them determine whether they want pre-recorded content on their app. And that pre-recorded content might not be the same type of pre-record that we have on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts. They might decide to do something a little bit more creative, maybe like a choose your own story kind of thing, or at the moment I'm drawing blanks, but they might decide to do a feature that is completely different from the others. Mm. I don't think that they're missing out yet. And here's my example. I'm going to use a real world example. We like to go to live events, but just because we go to live events doesn't mean we won't watch A Star Is Born on Netflix. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And so all they said is like, we'll do live events, but for you while you're at home and right now during the pandemic, that is any and every time of day. And maybe after the pandemic, that will be evenings and weekends. 
yeah like back to back to normal so I think they just provide a digital experience that we also engage in in the real world and Mm. that's fine Yeah. yeah yeah what big trends if any are going to impact audio and its future oh big trends see the big trends are mostly right now audience growth Mm. I think first of all we'll get more languages okay available in even in western streaming services yeah so right now you have to really go and hunt for them yeah Uh, (laughs) but I think we'll get as people in different countries will become more interested in podcasting we'll see a greater variety of podcasts in different languages and I think there'll be growth in basically Asian languages a whole bunch of Asian languages and also in the Middle East I see growth there I think there'll be more content in Mandarin for people outside of China and I think there will be more content coming out of Korea as well and also I think those countries will be doing more in English as well. Mm. I see it going a very similar way to and perhaps it will happen at an accelerated way as film so it's crazy how now we've been in lockdown I don't mind so much watching do you think I would have watched a Spanish language film oh my gosh I'm exactly I'm exactly the same like all of a sudden I've been watching all these like Spanish TV shows and I'm like heavily invested and I would have never done this before exactly <laughs> so I think those things will happen. It will be like they'll have to do it in English, or we will suddenly have to learn a language. I don't know which one will come first. <laughs> but we will want more content from different countries. So yeah, I think that podcasts in different languages will become more prominent. And I think people from different territories, different countries will start to produce more content in English language too. And my last question is, are there any upcoming shows or projects from yourself or Don't Skip that we should look out for? Oh, I mean, (laughs) unfortunately, um, when you're producing content, um, you're kind of under a sea of NDAs. Um, But (laughs) No, no, it's fine. It's fine. But the one thing I can tell listeners is that um, Eve's podcast, Constantly Evolving Season 2, is coming out in June and then also right now a music podcast called The Making of Me is available in any of your podcast streaming apps amazing that's a don't skip original by the way as well yeah oh that's great and I actually want to ask as well what is one of the best projects that you have worked on oh no that's not nice (laughs) okay okay (laughs) top three (laughs) so definitely um Eve's podcast is one of the best projects I've worked on because a she's just really down to earth like when we get on zoom um you can ask her how her weekend went and it'll be like oh I did this I did that and you realize actually how in some ways in some ways similar lives can be yeah um in terms of like, you know, just hanging out with family and the kind of topics you end up talking about around the dinner table, those sorts of things. Um, And she was being very, very kind of cool and chill person. So it was really great to find out that somebody who was like, you know, one of the biggest acts in the world 
is also kind of the type of person you can have a chat with on a Zoom. And also there was this podcast I made called British Villains. And the reason this was fascinating is like, it took me totally out of my comfort zone. So they were mostly older white Londoners who I was speaking to, mm. which isn't usually my, my group of people who I interviewed. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. not, in my day to day, I don't know these people. Yeah. And so this took me completely out of my comfort zone. But again, I found some really relatable things and I'm sure that happened vice versa. I wasn't the typical person that they would speak to on a day to day, but we, when we went and interviewed these people, now, whether they were the, the victims of crime or the perpetrators of crime, actually you found that there were things that you did have in common, which at the moment, I kind of like, I long for those times because there's just so much polarism. Yeah. Um, and so I have quite fond memories of um, connecting with people who I didn't know and wouldn't usually speak to and who, who were much older. They were like my grandparents' age. They were like much older than me as well. <laughs> I love like, I love older people. I don't know. They just have this sort of, I guess it's just, they're just so wise and informative and just know so much. And I just, I just love being around them, but I don't know. It might be because I'm an old soul. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe much like myself. <laughs> <laughs> and um, can I think of a third one? I would say, do you, do you know what? Those are my top two, just because they took me out of my zone. And yeah. I, I don't know why I'm just the type of person that likes that. I like, I like my worldview being challenged sometimes that's negatively and sometimes I'm horrified uh, and sometimes I'm sad that I'm about to change my mind on something because you the things that you believe in you kind of like you don't want to let go of them yeah and someone challenges your worldview you're like wow I'm gonna have to let go of that belief and I appreciate it when somebody does that for me well thank you Christina for joining me today it's been an absolute pleasure Uh, thank you so much (laughs) Oh, no problem. It's been my pleasure. Once again, thank you to everyone who tuned in. If you liked today's episode, then make sure to get involved in the conversation and follow us for more information on Instagram at Cork Studio and follow at Don't Skip Media on all socials. That's it for this season, but we'll be back soon with another lineup of guests and more insightful conversations. Until then, as always, see you later and stay blessed.